and the squadron. They called him Bullets. But we call him Greg Kelly. Greg Kelly is on the air on the Red Apple Podcast Network. T-minus 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3. We have ignition. And liftoff of the first United Launch Alliance Vulcan rocket. Launching a new era in spaceflight to the moon and beyond. All right, going to the moon again. No people on board. That happened this morning down in Cape Canaveral. Solid rocket booster. Is that SRB? Took off so early this morning it was nighttime. So it's a huge fireball in the sky. All right, pretty cool. However, looks like it's a bust. Something happened. (laughs) May not get to the moon after all. Uh, It's losing propellant. It sprung a leak. The damn thing is broken. It's broken in orbit. So it was supposed to go all the way to the moon. It may not make it there. And if it does get there, they think that it won't be able to land softly. They have this nice little lander all set to get there to the moon and land nice and easy, just like we were able to do, quite frankly, even before we sent men to the moon. We sent uh, we sent probes to the moon, and they got there, and they landed safely and softly. And now we can't even do that. How about that, huh? It's just kind of crazy. You know, you hear about technology and how far we've come, and oh, my gosh, technology, technology, technology. We can't do what we did 52 years ago, which was go to the moon with men. We got there in 1972. We haven't been back since. And here we can't even get a damned unmanned probe up there. It's uh, sprung a leak. That's kind of pathetic, don't you think? That's kind of pathetic. What we need are new engineers. We need math and science-oriented people. Like perhaps, perhaps, my little daughter Annalise. You know, she's only three. But she's learning letters and numbers and everything, everything. She amazes me all the time. Uh, she does have a little bit of work uh, with the numbers to do. Here we got her. This is Annalise counting. All right, go ahead and count. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, fourteen, fourteen. 16, 17, 18, 19. Uh, uh, you missed uh, one. You missed what, one. What? Take it from here. Start from right. Uh, start from there. 9, 10. Go to 9. 9, 10. Yeah. Now what? 11, 12, 14. No, 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 no. Three. Three. Thirteen. Fourteen. Fourteen. Sixteen. Fifteen. Fifteen. Sixteen. Seventeen. Eighteen. Nineteen. Zero. No. Twenty. 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 Do that one again. Well, but I don't want to do it right now. <laughs> I don't want to do it right now. I was getting bored of it myself. Anyway, three. She's three. I think that's pretty damned good. 
and she's whipping out all kinds of things um, that are just awe-inspiring. And part of it, I think, is, uh, quite frankly, her steady diet of cartoons. Yes, cartoons. Uh, the cartoons that she's watching are definitely superior to the cartoons that I was consuming at that age and beyond, all the way up until my <laughs> I was a teenager. I mean, think about Roadrunner. What happened in Roadrunner? How many words were there in Roadrunner? Zero. One, if you count me, me, right? And it was always figuring out ways, futile ways to catch the coyote or the other way around. I don't know who was trying to kill who in that damn thing. But remember the Acme Company and these elaborate traps to uh, kill the Roadrunner, right? And it would always blow up on the coyote. Yeah, that's it. Uh, and that's all you learned. <laughs> Tom and Jerry, also, no words. Just a lot of great music, big band music. Spike versus the cat versus the mouse. Uh, but everything, everything here is about maybe it's too much feelings and emotions and including, you know, including everybody and sharing. And I wonder what, what, what this generation's going to be like, right? I mean, they're, uh, that boy, oh boy. Now she's got some innate toughness in her. I mean, she, I've seen her push other kids, which I don't like. A part of me is like, oh, all right, stick it up for yourself, you know? I mean, part of me, just a little part of me, I jump in there right away and break it up. But I'm like, this kid, all right, you know? I don't. Uh, all right, so there's that. Hey, this is getting really serious. Uh, they're clobbering our uh, major and key arteries, these pro-terrorist lunatics. And uh, don't be impressed with Eric Adams, all right? Just, you know, when he plays this game, this two sides – both sides of the fence game. Like when people, um, well, here he is, here he is saying that people should not be able to take over the streets. Cut 29. What do you think of the new protesting system the NYPD is operating under? I'm glad you asked that question uh, because that is what I keep saying about the two schools of thoughts and the byproduct of some of the changes that we've made. I did not agree of, uh, the concept of those changes. You know, I pushed back hard, uh, and we're going to start to see the byproduct of those changes that were uh, negotiated. The judge basically, uh, you know, said, y'all need to come to an agreement. I don't believe that people should be able to just take over our streets and march in our streets. I don't believe people should be able to take over, take over our bridges uh, I just don't believe you could run a city this complex where people can just, you know, just do whatever they want. And uh, those, the decision that came out of that agreement, I thought it put us on a very uh, troubling direction. And now you're seeing it. When you see, you know, a thousand people go to Grand Central Station and de decide that they want to just close down Grand Central Station or they want to sit in the street in front of t uh, Times Square we're seeing a byproduct of this. So uh, it's interesting. He's like, yeah, I, it's, and then, then Fox News will play that. Oh, wow, Eric Adams is on the right side of this issue. But that agreement that he's complaining about, he actually agreed to it. He actually signed off on it. Uh, here he is. Like he, the, the guy, the reporter says, well, if you didn't like it, why just sign it? Uh, next clip, please. If you had such issues with the settlement terms, why did the city enter the settlement? Why not just fight it and, and keep the lawsuit going? Um, the, the, the signals we got was uh, they were telling us 
that we could have had a worse of outcome if we didn't come to some type of settlement. That was the signals. When I, as soon as I read the, the settlement, I said, this is a problem. This is a problem. And, you know, you have to go by the advice of your attorneys, you know. But uh, as soon as I read it, anyone who policed this city uh, should be concerned about what's in the settlement. <laughs> you got to listen to your attorneys. No, you don't. Attorneys, <laughs> they're not the decision makers. They are the advisors. So uh, he doesn't know what he's doing. Uh, he's weak. And uh, in, in, in the off chance that he does know what he's doing, he's purposely playing both sides. And there is a little of that going on. You see, he's got the conservatives fooled because he's complaining, wow, this shouldn't be happening. Uh, but the far left knows that he's signing off on these things that is really kind of handicapping uh, the police. Hey, Trump was uh, all over the place this weekend, and I thought he was uh, fantastic. Let's see here. Is he really making fun of uh, – hey, does does Joe Biden have a stutter? A lot of fake news people try to say he has a stutter and you should not make fun of it. Well, the whole stutter thing is actually a creation. It's actually a bit of a myth. It's something that he told to make his life story seem more interesting to a fake news reporter back in the 1980s. Uh, Cut two, please. Biden's record is an unbroken streak of weakness, incompetence, corruption and failure. That's why Crooked Joe is staging his pathetic Fear-mongering campaign event in Pennsylvania today. Did you see him? He was stuttering through the whole thing. He's going, uh, I've got a, he's a threat to democracy. I'm a th- They've weaponized government. He's saying, I'm a threat to democracy. He's a threat to de- de- democracy. Wow. <laughs> Couldn't read the word. Uh, is that crossing the line? No, it's not. When everybody else can see it, that's one of the reasons why he resonates so much. Trump does. Did you see the door that came off the um, the airplane over the weekend? Uh, haven't seen that in a long, long time. I'm not about to say it's because of some mechanic smoking dope, but it probably is because of some mechanic smoking dope. And the other thing is the 737 Max, what a disaster of a plane that thing has turned out to be. The software is all screwed up. Uh, nobody likes it. Nobody wanted it. You needed to basically uh, double down on the 757, the praying mantis, as the pilots call it, uh, the 737 Max. Too many bells and whistles on that damn thing. Too many uh, just it's almost too fancy. It's kind of like my car. I don't want to say what kind of car it is right now, but it's a little bit too fancy. All the gadgets on the, you know, I, I don't know how to use anything on it. I, I know how to use GPS. I used to fly a damn plane, and I can't figure out how to use the GPS. And I don't like telling the computer, i got to say, hey, before I ask the computer to do anything. Hey, Siri. It doesn't seem polite. It just doesn't. I don't like it. Uh, let's see here. Uh, while I'm waiting, let's go to, oh, Barbara, hello. Hi, Greg. Hello, Greg. Hi there. Hi there. Welcome. Hi. Yes. Yes. I am. Um, my blood pressure is up today because I, I ran into um, a situation with people who should know how important their religious freedom is, and they have no clue, none whatsoever. Even though it's been offered to them, the information and so forth, they they have absolutely no interest in learning anything about their freedoms and their liberties. So I'm feeling like there are so many people putting out huge efforts. And Donald Trump, I saw him this weekend on television, 
there are so many people putting out huge efforts and other people doing nothing, riding along, hoping that someone will rescue them, but not bothering to get off their duff and do something themselves. And John Adams talked about that. And John Adams reminds me of Donald Trump. He said, posterity, you will never know how much it costs the present generation to preserve your freedom. I hope you will make a good use of it. If you do not, I shall repent in heaven that I ever took half the pains to preserve it because John Adams, like President Trump, put everything on the line, offered everything, sacrificed everything. What? For our liberty and our freedoms, not for themselves, not for the benefit of their families or themselves, but for us. And we can be ashamed if we don't do our part. And so I was telling the screener, Rich, about True the Vote and what those people have accomplished, because that's something where we can join them and do their part. True the Vote won an amazing court case, was announced on January 2nd, that had to do with voters in Georgia who were challenging electors in the last election because they had evidence that over 300,000 votes were cast by people who had changed residency and were therefore not eligible to vote where they did. So True the Vote won this case. And when you look at True the Vote's website, oh, my gosh, if you're from any state in the union, you can go there, you can pick out your state, and up comes all these tools to help you understand how your state's election process works, what you can do to be involved, and what you can do to help. So they have laid it all out for us. And if we can't participate and build on their sacrifice, at least we need to give them money and contributions to help them because we can't sit back anymore. Absolutely. TrueTheVote.org. TrueTheVote.org. I'm going through this myself. And, uh, yes, get involved. Don't just sit around watching it on TV. By the way, Pennsylvania, named for a guy named William Penn, who was probably one of the greatest champions of liberty of the late 17th, early 18th centuries. Uh, they're trying to take the pen out of Pennsylvania. No kidding. Uh, they're trying to take him out of a great big park and they want to replace him with a Native American. I mean, <laughs> they're trying to take the pen out of Pennsylvania. And when you learn what Penn stood for, he's kind of like John Adams and the rest of them. Uh, a true hero for liberty. And um, look at they have no idea what they're doing. What a well, anyway, you fired us all up all over again, Barbara. Thank you. TrueTheVote.org. TrueTheVote.org. Be right back. With crime running rampant in New York, you need to keep yourself and your family safe. Obtaining your concealed carry firearm licenses can be difficult and time-consuming. That's where MyFirstPistol.com comes in. They'll help you secure your concealed carry license. If you're looking for a pistol, premise, rifle, or shotgun license, call 347-559-7052. 347-559-7052. You must have a valid firearm license issued by the NYPD to purchase, possess, or shoot a handgun or pistol in NYPD. Traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. 
Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Hey, this Lloyd Austin thing, Secretary of Defense, basically going AWOL. <laughs> uh, let's see here. Now, it turns out he was hospitalized in December, December 22nd, 23rd. Uh, we don't know if he informed anybody back then, uh, the Deputy Defense Secretary. You know, the Secretary of Defense is kind of a big deal, and he is in the chain of command, President, Secretary of Defense, and then the uh, combatant commanders. I think they all report to the SecDef, don't they? Secretary of Defense, it's a big job. Supposed to be, at least, unless it is what we thought it was, that the deep state is running everything. Political appointees come and go, and it's the deep state. So 22nd, 23rd. Then on January 1st, reports are that he went to the hospital in an ambulance, Walter Reed Army Medical Center, in an ambulance because he was in severe pain. And they put him in the ICU, and he was there for at least four days. They did not tell the president. They did not tell the White House. They did not tell the world. That is really, really weird and wrong, and I do believe against the law even. The Deputy Secretary of Defense, uh, that's a pretty big job too. The number two in the Department of Defense never knew where the boss was. Never heard that the boss was uh, out for the count. She was on vacation in Puerto Rico, actually. Her name is Hicks, H-I-C-K-S. She was in Puerto Rico on vacation and never knew. Um now, we are told uh, Joe Biden has made it clear that they're not firing Lloyd Austin over this. And why would they? I mean, Lloyd Austin helped lose the Iraq, uh, the war in Afghanistan. <laughs> he didn't get fired for that. They're going to fire him for uh, taking a couple of sick days without permission. I don't like Lloyd Austin. He's a man of division. Happens to be black. Happens to be kind of what he leads with, if you know what I mean. Here he is on 60 Minutes a while back. Lloyd Austin, SecDef. Lloyd Austin climbed every rung in the Army, starting at West Point and rising all the way to four-star general, many times breaking barriers as the first African-American ever to hold the job. There's probably not a job that I had since I was a lieutenant colonel where some people didn't question whether or not I was qualified to, to take that job. It's the world I live in, and, and I'm sure that the other officers that you talk to would, would probably say the same thing. There's not a day in my life, David, when I didn't wake up and think about the fact that I was a black man. A number of the African-Americans that we have talked to uh, for this story have said when they are the only one in the room, they feel as if they're not being listened to. Did you have that experience? Absolutely. Had that Absolutely. And all the grievances, right? Lots and lots and lots of grievances. You know, he should... He should get together with Morgan Freeman. More on Morgan when I get back. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. A number of the African-Americans that we have talked to uh, for this story have said when they are the only one in the room, they feel as if they're not being listened to. Did you have that experience? Absolutely had that experience. And I found ways to operate, to adapt. In 1995, as the 82nd Airborne's first African-American operations officer, then-Lieutenant Colonel Austin adapted by having someone else give his briefings, someone he felt white officers were more likely to listen to. Was that a white officer? It, it was. Did you feel that was 
a uh, conscious bias, people not ready to listen to you? It absolutely was a conscious bias. Mm. Bias didn't end even when he was a four-star general. I would go someplace with my staff, and we were wearing civilian clothes. Somebody would come out to meet the meet the general, and I wasn't the guy that they walked up to. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Talk about it. <laughs> I don't know, man. I don't know. You think America is thoroughly racist? Uh, why, uh, why bother defending it? You know, that's the thing about America. I would never would have joined a military that was about the defending uh, institutional or systemic racism, right? It's very disrespectful, quite frankly, to the men and women in uniform. So that's uh, that's Lloyd Austin. I wonder what trauma led him to uh, not tell anybody when he got sick. And, oh, by the way, what is elective surgery? What I know elective surgery is something you don't necessarily need. What, was it cosmetic? Was he getting something done to his uh, eyebrows? What was going on? Uh, we don't know. We must know because, actually, I just have this right here. You know, it's varied before, but under the Goldwater-Nichols Act, the Secretary of Defense has a real operational role in war fighting. So if something, like, really weird happened uh, over the weekend uh, and we needed to, say, go to war, uh, we wouldn't have been able to do that with, what's his name, uh, in bed and didn't tell anybody. Kids know that you got to tell the teacher. you gotta, the, you got to call the principal or somebody when you skip school. Um, but he doesn't know to check in at a job like that. Hey, I want to also highlight this clip. I played it before not too long ago, but Morgan Freeman, what a great actor. Shawshank Redemption, anybody, right? What's another one that he was in? Uh, Seven Deadly Sins. Is that called Seven with Brad Pitt? That was one hell of a movie, too. Oh, my goodness gracious, what they did at the end there. That Kevin Spacey. Uh, can I hear Morgan Freeman talking about the issue of race with Mike Wallace? Black History Month, you find ridiculous. Why? You're going to relegate my history to a month? Oh, come well, on. What do you do with yours? What, which month is White History Month? <laughs> no, well, no, 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 come on. Tell me. Well, the, I'm Jewish. Okay. Which I'm month sorry. is Jewish History Month? Uh, there isn't one. Oh. Oh. Why not? Yeah. Do you want one? No, no. No, I, 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 I don't either. I don't want a Black History Month. Black history is American history. How are we going to get rid of racism? And stop so- talking about it. I'm going to stop calling you a white man. Yeah. And I'm going to ask you to stop calling me a black man. I know you as Mike Wallace. You know me as Morgan Freeman. You know- I love it. I love it. Wow. And that's a while ago. And I give Mike Wallace credit. You know, he... He he kept that all in the interview. That was on 60 Minutes. And sure, it was awkward, right? And you may say the wrong things when it comes to race and you're talking, right? But we're supposed to have a conversation about race, right? I don't know. I thought that was a pretty interesting exchange and uh, pretty uh, pretty big of Mike Wallace to leave it in the report and to acknowledge, like like right then and there, the awkwardness and also the absurdity of of his preconceived notions of the whole arrangement. You know, and you could see it in his face. He's like, mm-hmm. Now, Morgan Freeman has been, well, singing his own tune on on issues of race for a long time. And guess what? That makes the left really, really mad. So 
at the first chance they got, they try to take him out when Me Too erupted. <laughs> they had this CNN entertainment reporter uh, act like she had been, I mean, my God, mauled by him physically. I, it was just bizarre. Uh, well, here she is. She's going to tell you the whole damn thing. This is the CNN entertainment reporter right in the middle of Me Too. Okay? This was on television, everybody. Go ahead. Carol, the impetus for this investigation was actually my own experience with Morgan Freeman at a junket last year for the movie Going in Style. Right when I walked into the room, he began making sexually suggestive comments to me. Now, as an entertainment reporter for over a decade, it was unlike anything I truly have ever experienced. One of those comments was caught on tape. In this comment that's on tape, he says to me, boy, do I wish I was there while looking me up and down. I was six months pregnant at the time, and his co-stars, Alan Arkin and Michael Caine, were seated on either side of him and actually looked at him when he made this comment to me. Again, it was caught on tape. And take a, take a note of Freeman's eyes in this clip. One time I, I congratulate the woman on being pregnant and she wasn't. <laughs> um, so I've never done it again. CNN, For 50 years, I've never done it. You've learned your lesson. I learned my lesson. Um, Boy, do I wish I was there. Uh, this movie is... As you see, that was quick right there, but there were other comments made to me by Freeman before and after this one, but they were not caught on tape. We reached out to Alan Arkin and Michael Caine, his co-stars who were seated next to him, and they could not, well, Alan Arkin could not be reached for comment, um, and Michael Caine declined. Wow, huh? Did you hear what that happened to that woman, that poor woman? Boy, I wish I was there. Now, to me, he was talking about the, the Michael Caine moment when he misinterpreted somebody being pregnant or not pregnant. Um, he looked me up and down. I don't know. I wonder if, uh, it, it, it quite frankly calls to mind the, uh, the Emmett Till situation, right? I mean, Emmett Till, uh, did the woman feel somehow offended that a black person admired her with his eyes, right? It's kind of akin to that in a weird way. Man, oh, man, oh, man, what a crazy, crazy uh, culture we have. It's not fun. But we say screw it, we're going to have fun. And we're going to do our very, very best. And we're all going to get better, right? Growth, 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 the new year. Are you ready to grow? You know, you don't have to stop growing no matter what your age is. No matter what your age is, you can still accomplish amazing things. Who's ever heard of Norman Vincent Peale? Uh, you know, there'd probably be no President Trump without Norman Vincent Peale. Uh, he was a minister. He died in 1993. I think he was, uh, good and old. He was, he wrote The Power of Positive Thinking, which was one of the greatest bestsellers of all time. And, um, you can go online and find a lot of speeches, a lot of lectures, and it's great, great stuff. And, and Trump has spoken openly about Norman Vincent Peale. He was the minister at the Marble Collegiate Church. One of the churches that Donald Trump attended with his family. I think his father had his funeral there. And, um, I mean, I can't get enough of this stuff. Let's listen to Dr. Norman Vincent Peale on, well, on power. Cut 23. You have the power, spiritual power, in depth. Use it. My friend David Hartman 
MC of the great and popular morning television show on ABC called Good Morning America is the son of a minister. And David takes on, I'm sure, a great many of his father's characteristics. He says that his father used to say to him, God created you in his own image, and therefore he is in you, and you have the power of God within yourself. And that is a fact. You, as a believer, as a child of God, have the power of God right inside of you. Let me remind you of something that you may forget, but you must never forget it. You are greater than anything that can ever happen to you. You name it, build it up out there as big as you can make it, and you are greater than it is. I love it, Norman Vincent Peale. And uh, there's just so much good stuff. Why wallow in this junk on Netflix, on the internet, everywhere. There's some great stuff there. You gotta find it. You gotta weed out all the horror. And there's so much horror. Horror. You hear that the Iowa shooter last week at the high school turns out to be a gender fluid boy. Gender fluid boy one day, girl the next. You think, uh, you think he came up with that idea on his own sitting there in Perry, Iowa? No, our corrupt, warped culture thrust it upon him um now that's going to kind of go against what i'm talking about here overall because we are the masters of our own destiny and uh the media would have you think that uh well what happened at that church in 2015 did you remember dylan roof a crazy person opened fire on a bunch he was happened to be white uh, uh on a bunch of african-americans at that church and they say it was a white supremacy motivated shooting Let's see here. J- it, but somehow it's Trump's fault. Cut 18. He will speak at Mother Emanuel AME Church in Charleston, South Carolina, where a white supremacist murdered nine innocent black worshipers in 2015. Joining us now, South Carolina Democratic Congressman Jim Clyburn. Uh, Congressman Clyburn, thanks for joining us. So let's start uh, with President Biden's trip tomorrow to historic Mother Emanuel AME Church. What are you hoping to hear from President Biden? And is, is it fair to tie in any way what happened at the Emanuel AME Church to Donald Trump. Donald Trump had barely launched his campaign when that attack happened. All right. Is it fair to blame it on Trump? What do you say, Congressman Clyburn? Cut 19. Donald Trump looked at those people in Charlottesville and said that there were good people on both sides. And those people were uttering things like, Jews will not replace us. That is a religion. The AME Church, Emmanuel, that is religion. And Donald Trump has said things uh, in support of those activities that ties him closely uh, to what happened at Mother Emmanuel. Ties him closely. Ties him closely. Well, Donald Trump was in the continental United States when that shooting occurred. 
on June 17th of 2015, a full year and a half before he became president. Barack Obama was in America as well. I wonder if he's tied to that. Uh, and Joe went to that church today to uh, try to actually further the lie that there is a tie between white supremacy and Donald Trump. And, yes, June 17, 2015, horrible mass shooting in that church, and all those beautiful people lost their lives, and Dylan Roof, a monster, opening fire. It happened the day after Donald Trump declared for president. You see? You see how desperate they are? Empathetic. Your calls when I come back. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. I want to do this first because we're just about to all forget who Claudine Gay is or was the president of Harvard University who was kicked out on uh, totally uh, legitimate reasons, four totally legitimate reasons. Uh, number one, being tolerant of anti-Semitism and also, uh, well, cheating like crazy and copying other people's work. And uh, there was this guy named Coleman on CNN. I don't know, uh, Coleman, I'm not sure. I don't know if Coleman's his first name or his last name, but, man, he's pretty cool. And this little clip, they put it to some kind of soulful music in the background. Coleman happens to be black. Uh, He's talking to Abby Phillips, who happens to be black. Let's face it, that's relevant here. And they're talking about a black woman. And this guy Coleman is just speaking so much truth and the two of these panelists can't handle it go so you don't think there was anything about this that had to do with the fact that she was a black woman from the from the people who were claiming this as a victory against dei diversity equity and inclusion i don't think it did and and you know what even if it did that doesn't justify it if you or i did this or even any white scholar it would be career-ending to have 50 examples of plagiarism. And it has to be, because how can you be the one upholding Harvard's integrity when you yourself have failed? It's as if the commissioner of the Major League Baseball uh, or the NBA had a lifelong history of steroid use and was now the person in charge of kicking other people out for steroid use. It's completely untenable. My question about the internal Harvard review that you seem to think was a very rigorous process, how did they only find, what, four or five examples of it when they were... 50, almost 50 to find. And plagiarism, it's not like true crime where there's there's a million perspectives on it. You kind of well, either I, lifted the paragraph say... or you didn't. All right. That's uh, Coleman Hughes. I looked at a Coleman Hughes. Uh, let's see. He's got the Conversations with Coleman podcast, Forbes 30 under 30. He's a contributor at, uh, what is that, uh, Foreign Policy? I'm not sure. He's an analyst on CNN. Go to ColemanHughes.org, ColemanHughes.org. All right, uh, Bob, hello. Hello, Greg. How you doing? Good. <laughs> hello. Yeah. Yeah. I wanted to talk to you about the uh, the lieutenant that shot Ashley Babbitt. And uh, I was watching TV on January 6th that year, and I saw him before the shooting took place. He was shown on TV walking around. It looked like a, a vacant room, uh, holding his his weapon in his hand, his, his uh, pistol. And it really looked odd to me. Uh, he acting and strutting around, holding his gun out, and nobody else was there. It seemed like he's a little bit uh, psycho. Well, it's interesting that you remember it and that you saw that. Uh, so two things on that. Number one, 
uh, he was not authorized to have his gun out of his holster. And he was observed walking around the house chamber, mostly empty, with his uh, gun uh, drawn. And you don't walk around with your gun drawn. It's against the Capitol Police uh, guidelines. There's that. Also, he testified when he was uh, questioned that he thought that there were 80 to 90 members of the House, you know, Congress people, if you will, behind him. (laughs) There were like six in the whole place, six. They had all evacuated. So that's a key thing you saw which I personally have not seen myself. The live, uh, I should take a look at it. I've seen stills of him walking around with the gun drawn. Bob, thank you. Great points. Carmine, hello. Carmine? Hi, Greg. Yes. I'm glad your voice is better. Amen. Thanks. I wanted to share, you're welcome. I wanted to share an interesting story. I'm reading a book, uh, Jesus Politics by Phil Robertson. And it talks about in 2014, 2015, the Duck Dynasty were at the height of their popularity. And they had a publicity tour to New York. They went to live with Kelly Regis, uh, Kelly and Michael at the time, Kelly Ripper, I guess. And so they're in Trump's power, all of the Robinsons. And, and, you know, they have beards and and camouflage. And one of the sons, Jace, goes up to the front desk and asks to use the restroom. And they go, follow me, sir. And they bring him through a hallway and they bring him to a doorway. Long story short, they show him to the, the, the back of the building, and he's out in the gutter. So he goes all the way around to the, the block, walks back in the lobby. His wife says, where were you? He goes, I think I've just been uh, thrown out of the building. Sure enough, they take the limo to the, uh, the studios with, with Kelly Ripa, and he opens up the store, and he says, I was thrown out of, of Trump Plaza. I think I was facial uh, – tr- Trump Tower. I think I was – Facially uh, profiled. He was making a joke. He made light of it. They were very good of it. Uh, it seems that a Trump Tower executive saw it, and the story went right to Donald Trump Jr., and he reached out to Jace Robertson, apologized profusely. They made, Jace made a joke of it, extended grace and mercy, and it ended up that Phil Robertson witnessed Jesus Christ to private citizen Donald Trump in 2015. Wait a second. Uh, it all made sense right up until witness Jesus Christ. Uh, what do you mean by that? Okay, Donald Jr. was apologizing. No, I, I get all that. I get it. I get all that. All right. So then, but how does Jesus fit in? I mean, he fits in everywhere. I'm not trying to be disrespectful, but this whole story made sense. But I don't understand the Jesus part. Like the movie The Blind, uh, if you meet Phil Robertson, you're going to hear about Jesus Christ. All right. I know. But, I mean, all right. So they, they threw him out because they thought he was some shady character, and they got word of it, and they apologized, right? Yes. All right. All right. And the rest is uh, editorial, right? The rest, no, the rest is that Phil Robertson witnessed Christ to Donald Trump. Oh, you mean he witnessed, he, he talked about him to him? Yes. Okay. It's powerful. I well. All right. No, uh, Phil Robertson of the Duck Dynasty, and uh, uh, that happened. All right. You know what? I am curious about that. I'll take a peek. Oh, there's the music, everybody. I am sorry. That's it. Thank you, Carmine, Christine, Robert, Tom, Rachel, Jessica, and the rest. Uh, to be continued.